Welcome to the Productivity Mastery Podcast, presented to you by myself, Stoyan Yankov, Productivity and Performance Coach, Keynote and TEDx Speaker, and co-author of the Perform Methodology, and the book, Perform, The Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. Join me on a journey to discover what some of the world's leading professionals do to be more productive, create peak performing teams, and build successful global companies. New episodes weekly. And now, enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Productivity Mastery. Why am I so excited this morning? Except I had my specialty coffee with a little bit of honey. Well, I'm excited because I'm bringing back, I'm bringing back a rock star. Uh, you guys probably have listened to an episode with the one and only Maya Voye from Slovenia. We were talking about growth hacking back in the day. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something else because my rock star friend has written a book and it's a freaking amazing book. So, Maya, how are you this morning? Oh, my God, Stoyan, I love your enthusiastic intros. Uh, no, nevertheless, I did learn a thing or two in the last two years, and here is the reasoning behind this, right? When we were talking about growth hacking the other time, the problem is the challenge is actually then when you are just starting, when you are going to markets, you don't have a lot of traffic, you don't have a lot of like samples to work with. So the science is kind of not useful for you just yet. And I went back, did tons of research, interviewed more than 100 people, read a bunch of books and SEO articles that I didn't appreciate that much. <laughs> but nevertheless, I think I have an an uh, answers by now. And it's been it's been such a such a pleasure just following your journey, especially the last uh, 12 months, maybe 18 months of you doing all this research and i mean we've been friends for for a couple of years now maybe a few years and and we've been sharing the the struggles on the journey and it's been such a such a such a pleasure seeing you grow as a person but also seeing you improve on the book and you've been sending me some sample chapters and and materials i'm like this is this is so good i haven't seen anybody touch upon this topic in such a depth so can you maybe tell us a little bit about the process of writing a book this is your first book Okay, so I just wanted to be like Mr. Stoyan Yanko <laughs> because he had a book when we were working together. <laughs> I think we were in Northern Macedonia with VCP, right? Right, and he was like giving the book away to people and he looked so cool doing that. And I was like, all I can give to you is a lousy business card. I need a book. No, just joking, just joking. I was already deep in the process by then, but you did inspire my journey tremendously from just like seeing, you know, from our part of the Europe that it can be done, that it can be done internationally, that there is no the imposter syndrome about writing in English and you just have to sit down and do the freaking work and hire the good editor. It will take you a year to have it written in that level, but hey, um, it depends really like on the amount of research that you have to put in. So following your footsteps. Then I was in touch with Wes Bush from Product Led Institute a lot. Sean Ellis, I'm a little bit afraid of him because he has like literally invented the discipline of my profession, <laughs> but he was gorgeous and very helpful as well. Um, so yeah, I had like very strong role models, but that doesn't mean that you don't encounter your personal barriers, right? And one of the strongest one for me was just like making sure that I keep disciplined. Why? Because, you know, motivation lasts for as long <laughs> and then like you have a writer block and it becomes a little bit boring and there is this client that offers you a lot of money, but you have to like focus on the book because otherwise you're going to be stuck on a project for three uh, months and like things are going to be prolonged. So there are a lot of trade-offs and just like this daily battle with myself that I should be sitting down in the mornings when I'm the most productive and just like doing the bloody work because nobody will do it instead of me. Right. So I did do a lot of research in terms of productivity as well. 
well, I was especially, okay, this one will be like a little bit cheesy, but I was super inspired by Alex Hormozzi. So Alex Hormozzi said that writing the book is the first thing that he does in the day. So I literally stripped down my morning routine because my morning routine was pretty, let's say, hilarious before, right? I was reading for an hour, then I was walking the dogs and uh, training with them for an hour, and then I was exercising for another hour. It literally took me three hours to just get some shit done. And I no longer could stand this, right? This was not sustainable for me. So right now, the first thing, like, like at freaking 6 a.m., just sit down, do the bloody work, put my Mozart on and focus and get shit done because otherwise I couldn't have done it, honestly, as this. Well, wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So so how did you come up with the approach? Like, like how did you structure the book? The book is structured, uh, as you can see, in a very, very Maya Voya way, I think. <laughs> so, how did you how did you come up with the with the initial structure? Why were these topics important for for you and for your readers? I think that I was kind of impressed and inspired by your perform as well, because you also structured the chapters in a way that each chapter is kind of the story of its own, but everything is built and put together in a wonderful program progression, right? So there are fundamentals and there are certain dependencies that you just experience on this path. And for me, like one of the largest dependencies when you are going to market is selecting your target audience. Why? Because that literally determines their willingness to pay. So your pricing, value proposition, what product are you building for them or the service I these words interchangeably and nevertheless which are the channels that you can like successfully sell your stuff to them right and it all comes down to this research and audience selection so i had to just explain that prior to saying anything about the other topics because this is mission critical to do that and just like for the rest I was following the natural flow of the launch, how it is usually done. And I think that I was being realistic, right? So if you have like a startup, you cannot spend six months in branding work because you don't even know what the hell you're selling yet. So just like you do something and you elaborate on the go and the quality of your learnings and just like the velocity of your learnings is literally your path. Because what is strategy in the first place? It's an intelligent response to circumstances and circumstances are changing all the time so should you well thank you so, so much for this uh, <laughs> initial kind of introduction and if you can maybe give us an idea who who sh who benefit from this book first of all um and and why is it important like are actually founders paying attention to having a strategy when it comes to go to market, or it's a little bit more chaotic and intuitive. You work with a lot of companies in the area. Totally. I do think that it is very dependent on whether you have done it before, because if you have been burned once or twice or three times, you bloody want to have strategy. <laughs> but if you are just like there, very enthusiastic and like, let's do this with goddess, let's smash it. Um, yeah, you probably won't be investing that much time and attention to this. And maybe you will be lucky and maybe like style will skyrocket. But nevertheless, um, yeah, experience here definitely helps. I do believe that everybody has a goal, though. So everybody Everybody would like to sell, I don't know, 2,000 units of their product or just like making sure that I'm securing 50K of monthly reoccurring revenue for my software. But nevertheless, how to get there, like reverse engineering and choosing the best odds that will most securely take you there, it's a different kind of art, right? And it is essential. It is absolutely essential that you do it together with your team because those guys will actually have to execute. So just like hiring somebody to write you a 90-day program of what you should be doing, if the team doesn't know how to do it or doesn't think that this is like we're doing, I don't think it literally cut the chase. So I strongly believe in co-creation and just like making sure that everybody's on board and that the strategy is as simple that everybody can like embrace it, understands it, and you have like a complete buy-in from your team because if you're not gonna make them do it, it's not gonna be done. And I, I love uh, in the summary of your book, 
you are talking about uh, to succeed at this, you need to have a very limited number of objectives and work laser focused towards achieving them. Talk to me about that. Mm. So I do think that you have a thing or two to say about the focus as well. But look, um, my, my nature is very cool per se. I know that like I'm acting differently, but I'm struggling with this myself on a daily basis. This is why I had to create these levers of discipline and focus and whatnot, because otherwise I would be like, look, here is a very lovely picture. Let's go there and take a selfie. So um, it's just like this compound of forces, right? If you spread yourself to team and do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and then maybe there's another opportunity and there is another project that you should be doing, uh, you won't go that far. And there will be others who will be focused and will beat the shit out of you on the market because they will just be faster and better, whereas you will be spreading yourself to team. So just like there are always choices and the bigger and better you get, the most the more pressing those trade-offs are, like the stakes are higher. So it doesn't get easier. I do think that you just become better at this. After you see at the beginning, it's quite a hustle. Well, hopefully you become better. It's it's hopefully. not a guarantee. And, it's and, a muscle, some people you have never, to train it. Exactly. Some people never, never learn to focus. Some people always excited about the the novelty, the new thing, the new project. And and the most effective founders that I've met in my career are the people who are extremely good in saying no. So they can really focus on the few things that they identify as their core priorities and objectives. And it's not just about you as a founder, as a leader to stay focused, but how do you coach your team to have the discipline to remain focused on these few things that matter? Mm, that's deep. I do think that I have a couple of levers to offer here because focus is hard. And I wouldn't say that it is always 100% smart, right? Because if you, the certain senses have changed objectively, you cannot be like horse and pulling your wagon still in the same direction, even though that you think, uh, see that it is the wrong direction. So you have to be flexible here. Give it a fair shot, but also have like other stakes prepare if you would have to be pivoting. But here is like kind of a cookie cutter formula that I say to people, at least like for marketing. Okay. Free channels will probably work for you. Spend 80% of your resources, your efforts, your energy, your development power on this, whereas you still have 10 to 20% of the playground. And these are your moonshots. This is your experimentation. And these are some bets that you want to stack still in case that a certain contract won't go through or something like that, right? Um, so sometimes it's, it's a little... A little bit similar to the logic of investment. Would you go full in for just like buying one stock? Some people do that and are successful. The majority of us who have no idea how to trade actively <laughs> would prefer to disperse their portfolio a little bit, but not in the directions that we don't think that are smart or we don't know. So for me, just like this art and science of focus is ongoing, not only because it gets increasingly difficult, but also because you should be changing and making smart decisions on a go. This is literally how I feel about this. But since you have written a focus chapter, yourself in a pre-forum book, I would love to hear it from you as well. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I'm totally with you. I think if we go deeper on that, it's if you want to remain focused. For me, it's, it's about becoming intentional. Sometimes being chaotic and experimenting and trying things out is, is the best thing you can do because you don't know what to focus on, especially early, right? It's like, yeah, let me focus. Yeah, but if we focus on these things and we haven't tested whether and validated that these are the right strategies that then we are wasting a lot of time and energy and resources so you have to be intentional as a leader what is my intention my focus is to figure out what's our focus okay what is the fastest smartest most efficient way for me to get there or for my team to get there let's brainstorm ideas pick the one with highest probability in our head right guesstimate mm -hmm. okay now we focus this is the strategy for the next week. Let's perform. Let's execute. 
and then and then at some point at some point you find you find your focus and say guys now it's clear we need to raise a funding round because you want to scale this is the number we're aiming to scale okay good we need to focus on finding the right investors and get the best valuation traction you name it right so that's my take my <laughs> I no, I, I love this way of thinking because like I'm literally reverse engineering everything from the objective myself. For me, objective is a compass and objective helps me select activities that are mission critical. The only thing that I was like kind of, oh, this is a good example is because like, you know, there is like this low hanging fruits. And there are things that are important to do. To do. And that literally means that you would be locked in the a room for a weekend doing this even though it's not gonna be a quick win and it can go wrong so there is still like this personal judgments this finesse of your decision making okay this is gonna be hard this is not gonna be prioritized for some impact or ease metrics this is like my moonshot this is a high leverage opportunity that i have to do as a founder and that leads us beautifully like to outsourcing right do you have to write your own content ideally yes but if you don't have time it's much better that you focus on this damn investment pitch and just like make sure that you perform there than like micromanaging your team i don't like these graphics no, that's that's a very good point, and and it, I think maybe to add additional point to that one is uh, we operate a lot in the Central Eastern uh, Europe region, and Maya, you know, you work with a lot of founders here. Many of them, when they're starting the company, they're still having a part-time job or full-time job, something else, yeah. right? Because they want to support themselves. Sometimes they reinvest the money they make somewhere else, either working full-time or being consultants and putting them into the startup. That's okay. I see so many people more like feeling ashamed that, oh, I'm, I haven't figured it out. Like, hey, man, that's part of the journey. That's okay. You know, don't beat yourself up. Like, this is a strategy. Yes, you have to work on weekends and do this other thing that you don't want to do. But but you got to feed the beast while the beast grows. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to add this to the equation. It's like, you can't be 100%. Hey, focus and... 100% of your time and energy has to be focused on raising funding or this. Maybe, but that's not real life. Read some of biographies of people. Read Maya's book. By the way, let me put a link to the book. Let me put a link. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. It needs to go. GTMstrategies.com. Already now you can get a free sample chapter of the book. You can order the book. Get yourself a copy. Read the book and let me know what you think. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a game changer. So check out the link once again, gtmstrategies.com. Wow. Stoyan, we should travel to Europe together and just cross promote each other's books. <laughs> no, thank you so much. That was a beautiful, beautiful insert. But um, look, we were talking about this, like if you're still working part-time, right? And I just had a conversation with one of the founders that I'm working with for their GTM. He got this amazing job opportunity, like a really high leverage job opportunity. And it's kind of his dream job. And he was just like panicking yesterday, but what does it mean for my product? Like, is it okay for me to launch in January? Because the timeline will be longer now. And I was just like, look, this is by now literally your lifestyle choice, right? If you feel that this is a high leverage opportunity, this job, of course, you have to deliver there. Whereas something can be radically wrong, you don't launch in December. No, because nobody is freaking launching in December. It's a very bad month. People are drunk celebrating Christmas. Uh, so I don't think that you have that much of a stake anyways, but it's very good that you do the timeline now. And also like he's newly married. Um, he has this beautiful wife. I just said that uh, they should make this decision together because you know how it is with life and focus. We can get a little bit too focused sometimes and like neglect our health a little bit and maybe just like don't spend enough time with our partners, with our children so focus is not like going all in on this mono area of your life of course you have to put in enough energy and enough time in order to create a critical mass of activity that will help you move places but other than that focus is about being a happy and sustainably 
productive person because you can of course live 14 days out of your monster drinks from your basement without sleep it's possible been there done that is it healthy no it messes you up <laughs> it's really bad and you cannot sustain this in the long run so um whenever when we are thinking about GTN, I always love to say to people that launch is just the beginning. Yeah. So after launch, you will have to do a lot of promotion, a lot of like troubleshooting, customer support. So don't exhaust yourself perfectly just to launch because people are going to need you later on as well. And you have to sustain for this process. And this is probably more of a battlefield philosophy because I've been through a couple of hundred launches myself. And it's never like D-Day, this hard point, like this showstopper, now we have launched the work in a way just starts then. And whereas it's a huge milestone and should be celebrated, throw a office party, next day you're gonna show up, be healthy, be reliable again and grow your product. I'm really happy that you're bringing the conversation beyond the, the topic of the book, but more on the personal side because the success of a business is so dependent on the people who are running it. And if you don't have an alignment on when my business is successful, how does my life look like? So I'm happy and it makes me a fulfilled human being. So, so there's no obstacles for you to keep growing the business. And then you reverse engineer it. Maybe I should push really hard right now for some months or a couple of years or more, but I know where I'm going and where I'm going is exactly where I want to be. So starting with the clarity and then building it backwards. That's, it. Uh, that's really good, Maya. No, and also like to communicate it to others, right? So for example, you can say to your team, look, this week is going to be fucking difficult. I absolutely am struggling link and maybe I'm gonna be nervous for a sec and maybe I will get like a little bit itchy sometimes and you say to your mother that look this month we will not come to lunch every Sunday it's impossible but when I finish you're gonna be a star of my launch party and we will take a weekend trip so just like to align the expectations right people who are near and dear to you probably understand you and I think it's just better to be honest about this and try to put a limited window period of how long this more difficult period will last and align everybody's expectations. And um, there was another really interesting point that you mentioned. And this was just like this personal development side. I have the funniest app the anecdote ever. So my friend Sara Stojanowski, she's a collaborator on the book. I learned a ton from her about customer discovery and she's just like a queen of research. Um, absolutely loved working with her. And she asked me on one of our calls when we were troubleshooting the chapter again. So she was one of the advisors slash 10 readers for one of the chapters. Maya, if you knew how much work does it take to write a book, would you do it again? And I was like, no. <laughs> but, but if I knew what kind of a person will I become on this journey, I would absolutely do it again. And I am already plotting the second mood uh, as the first one is not even launched as we speak. Uh, why? Because for the first time in my life, I learned how to focus, right? How to be a maker. Because before I was a consultant mainly and I had my education slots. I was attending conferences. I had mentors. I was reading. But other than that, I was not like super actively reflecting on certain mental models or just like how the progression goes. It was not as deep of a thinking. And right now I just prove myself that I can have bloody discipline to sit down for a year and work six hours on a book. You know how important is it for me? Because like no great thing ever in the history of humanity was done in 30 minute breaks before the meetings. It just doesn't exist. No, I, I agree with you. I told you prior to the podcast recording that I've been on the road for I think it was 30 out of 35 days I've been on the road and and finding the space to to have these four or six hours in which I'm uninterrupted because it's very difficult to go on a two-hour flight and and you know write a page from the book or something. It's it's just very difficult. I've been successful in some occasions, but 
you know, me and you, Maya, we, we are not just uh, authors. We're just uh, writing, you know, professional writers. Like we, we actually hardcore busy with, with consulting, with speaking, with workshops, with everything else we do. And then we write books. So, so it's, it's been very challenging as well for me to, to, because it's not like, Hey, let me cross off these administrative tasks. You have to be in this creative space mentally. So, so I came up with a, I came up with a sequel for your, uh, for your book, the people side of GTM. That's exactly, that's exactly like the thing. No, seriously, like from overwhelm to hyper-focus, um, because this is so important. And I personally admire you because I cannot do the travels right now. I almost like um, collapsed on the stage a couple of weeks ago. So that was the yellow carton. That was Why literally that? a yellow carton, right? It was okay. Um, let's say like, stop a little bit, take a rest. You're not a superwoman. You're a fucking hero. Everybody calls you a machine, but you're totally not. So don't expose yourself to more of these circumstances because it's becoming evident that you don't handle them that well. And you know how it is. Like We are aiming to be 100% present and great for the people. And we have limits ourselves. So as long as you hit the limits, it's a wake-up call that you should just like slow down a little bit. Uh, I recovered in two hours, which is great. Um, I thought that it's going to take like a larger toll on me, but nevertheless, um, everybody was super cool with it. I was just like being honest again and said, okay, I haven't eaten properly today. I was tired from traveling. Um, it was very, very, very physically demanding for me to perform today. I did it. I did it to the end, but uh, physically I felt extremely sick. And this is why I decided right now that prior to the launch, I won't be doing more um, live public speaking because my body can apparently not handle it that well. I just wanna, I just wanna dive a little deeper on that one. So the reason was the combination of you being physically exhausted, You've been mentally with all the stuff happening. Yeah, I almost lost two of my team members that week. Uh, we were having like a little bit of a <laughs> difficult week. So we had to wow. realign completely. No, we solved it. We solved it and it was fine. But, you know, the stress comes with a little bit delay. So I don't want to look. I'm not the type of person who would be complaining. For me, I'm very pragmatic. I'm very, very, very pragmatic. For me, it was just like, okay, Maya, you cannot do this. This influence is in a very bad way. You need to sustain this launch. Don't do more of this because apparently your body cannot tackle it. That's yeah. my takeaway from it. Mm. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And I think many of the listeners will resonate. You, you're not a machine. And you might push it through. Like let's let's be honest. If you if you make yourself, you'll push it through. But but at what cost? Maybe your I launch is actually going to suffer. It was not my best mm. one. Mm -mm. No, your your launch is probably going to suffer. Your your physical health can suffer. Your team energy will suffer. Like is it worth it, or is it more worth it to say, you know what? Let me pause all these other activities so I can I can be present, taking care of myself, totally, and actually performing in the one thing that matters most bringing this amazing book to the public let me put the link once again everybody should go get a copy so the link is here okay and you are doing it now as i was like being uh, emotional for a sec oh my god for the first time on the podcast you got me to get a little bit emotional and right now you are inserting the book link in order to say the subject i appreciate it though <laughs> it's not my comfort zone I, I want to i want to show off just just for a second we'll get, get back to the gtm framework but last week I did a workshop in Estonia with uh, 15 startups from Estonia, Finland, and Sweden, five, wow, five cool. startups from each country. And in the middle of the workshop, I did this visualization where people can imagine where they are, if everything goes by plan, living the, the life like it was a movie and they can direct it and produce it, right? So, so after this exercise, a lady from Estonia comes and she's like, um, Stoyan, I just want you to know that I'm Estonian and uh, die hard, she's die hard, <laughs> and, and, and you almost, almost made me cry. So that's a big thing. 
because we don't really express our emotions. Ah, <laughs> so, it's, a, it's huge for us. Ah, yeah, we for, were uh, for me, raised for to, me, to hide them for all costs. Uh, no, for no, me, but the... nevertheless, it's a really good exercise. Uh, I saw you working on workshops in Northern Macedonia and just like to exit this vehicle of uh, whatever is going on now and think about the future. I think it gives you the permission and just like a little bit of an additional motivational boost to just like get better and know that one day you will it will be over but you will probably end up missing it <laughs> that's for sure that's for sure Maya I want you to bring me into the six core elements of the GTM strategy maybe give us an overview of what they are and then I okay. want to dive a little bit into some of the core learnings and and key takeaways Okay, cool. Uh, let's say it like a story. So at the beginning of every GTM journey, you have an objective and you are trying to construct your ultimate path towards objective. Can you do it from a get-go? Of course, no. You will have to learn and grow to, throughout this journey. So it's very important that you set yourself to just like be able to ideate quickly and that you are fast and agile and that you are moving with it's certain like force but also discipline to the objective because it's not gonna be pretty and this is the type of theory that i found in special ops it's very interesting we can double down this later on okay after you have armed yourself with this mentality uh the next thing is that you need to just select a market which will enable you to win right where you have the most chances to win because some of your competitors are are way larger and they are moving like tanks. You don't want to be on their way. Or if you are, you should be very quick. Uh, but nevertheless, you should set yourself up for, to succeed of just like finding this market segment that has high willingness to pay, that is like inter-referencing uh, to each other so that you can get some recommendations that you don't have to buy all the attention that you will probably have, that has a freaking high burning pain point that you can solve so that it's not like, yeah, maybe next year I can fit you in my budget, but it is just like, shut up and take the money. Now I need this. Let's do the business together. And the fourth one, is just like that you can realistically access to because if you sell me send me now to sell somebody from the cement industry i don't know anybody i don't know how to talk to these people i don't know what is important for them so like selling to us cement industry would probably not be my ultimate beachhead segment and that's the word that we use to describe it uh so this is your market segment that is most likely help you win in the next three or 18 months of GTM lifeline that you have. Uh, this is the end result of this step market that you find this segment. Then you have to dive deeper into understanding your customers. And here I have another brilliant concept, which is ECP not ICP. ECP meaning early customer profile. Why? Because daydreaming in a freaking living room and visualizing whom you could potentially so sell in two years is lovely, but not very realistic if you are dealing with a six months of runway. So you have to find somebody who will buy from you now, and then you can build your way up to the market. So ECP and how to understand it, where to find it, like what to say to them, extremely important. Okay, now we went through the research part and we can start building product. And product for me is just a medium of value transfer. It can be a service, you can pre-sell a PDF, you can co-create with a client. The product forums are very flexible, but the important lesson here is that most of us will have to test willingness to pay in addition to product market. Why? Because we don't have two years and like millions of VC money in order to make some money. So we are literally testing product market fit and business model at the same time. That's why it is important that you are selling from a get-go. Um, and this is something which is just like the reality, not only in our legion, but you know how it is. Like people might say that they would love it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will buy for it, that they will buy from you. Uh, so that's a major lesson when it comes to product. Um, then I was like very, I went very deep on pricing. Because just like this willingness to re uh, pay research, that is like difficult. It's not as if I would say, okay, this is like, I don't have my book here, but like, this is the Goggins book. Soyan, would you pay 50 euros for it? No. How about 30 euros? No. What about 27? Okay, 
Okay, we could we could pull it off for the 27. And that's extremely important in GTM stage because like we are always, if there is a burning pain, somebody is solving it. And it can be a spreadsheet, it can be like outsource person. Uh, the solution is sometimes also to do nothing about this, but nevertheless, there are certain anchors, certain limits in which in which you have to behave. This is what it is. So you have to do a very solid research down this line. And this is the area that was very difficult for me to research. But one of the most exciting, as I'm applying this knowledge to pricing, uh, pricing to the teams now, right? Because if you're selling something for, let's say, 100 euros a month, you would need like 100 purchases in order to make 10k a month right but if you sell some somebody something for like 5k a month you only need to class so just like the business economics is different and i'm already here these are just two simplistic examples but you know what i mean like your pricing choice is very 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 important okay later on we went to positioning branding and messaging and i don't like this this is like the fuzzy part of marketing that I was never, ever, ever specifically enthusiastic about. But it is important. So I was trying to use one of the pictures that <laughs> you presented to me on one slide. Unfortunately, we didn't do this. Uh, but nevertheless, look, I'm always like, don't overthink branding just yet. Just do something and test it with a couple of customers if it is appealing and it's a signal of the quality. Like, it's not that you could be like, design graphic is my passion or art and just like, 10,000 different colors on the website. It has to look visually appealing. I get that. But do you have to do like 50K branding projects from that get-go and talking like half a year, which animal you are, you don't have time for this. So I more went into the positioning part and positioning is all about searching for differentiated value and just like making sure that we are saying to customers something that makes us bigger, better, and stronger than our competitors, because competitors are there and we are competing against them and people are already comparing us. So to find this unique place on the market that you can just solve so effectively. Um, last but not least, we do have like the growth chapter and in the growth chapter, I was talking about eight different strategies how to go to market. My favorite one, of course, is product-led, but I did find new love which is like abm accounts based marketing and outreach because you know how it is i think that this shyness of talking to people is a huge 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 distraction in the tech sector everybody would just like to write ads or seo articles or whatnot but in the reality in the early stages as you are learning so much about your folks that's not the best idea that you could be doing every sales call is a possibility to learn to like talk to your customers even asking your current customers is a feedback gift like it's so important to understand why they they abandoned you, why they chose a competitor over yourself, because you can work on this, you can get better, right? And last but not least, I do have like this weird experimentation system, which is not just like scientific experimentation, but it's also discovery, this inception, because I do think that customer research should be ongoing and that the only way how to build proprietary competitive advantage is to produce your proprietary insights, because if you are just copying what everybody else is doing, you're never going to be like really differentiated and better. And the beauty of GTM is that for order to take a shot, we sometimes have to be 10x better. And that was it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving us the, the, the bigger picture. Uh, yes. I want to I wanna zoom in on some of the... Which one? Which was the least interesting for you? I, I, I'm doing Actually, research a few now. Which Actually, one was the most interesting? If you had to select one, if I gave <laughs> you, first, okay. I give okay. you five tokens, <laughs> disperse them between the chapters. For me, the one that kind of hit me first, maybe, and kind of stuck with me was the early customer profile. Oh, yeah. It's just an interesting take because everybody's talking about the custom, ideal customer profile, right? And And this is like, yeah, but... That actually makes a lot of sense. And I want you to kind of go deeper on that one. My pleasure. Just to, just to give us a bit of an idea, like uh, from a practical, like now we saw the, the what, the why, but like yeah. let's go into the how, right? Um, so I'm a, I'm a founder 
and I, what do I haven't do? done this work, right? Like, where do I what start do do? and how what do I find What does the founder do? <laughs> I want to, okay, let me just come up with a, I'm building a, uh, an app that is in agri. Yeah, but we can do it for a service business if it is easier okay. for you, right? The logic sure, is me. the same. Okay, you know what I do, right? So, kind of. <laughs> magic. You do magic and you get people on magic. podcasts and you do a lot of speaking gigs and you are one hell of a moderator. So, which one do you want to focus on? Let's say uh, I want to grow my corporate training business. So, I awesome. do workshops and training for for international companies in Central and Eastern Europe. Sorry, maybe I, I did it too deep, but... No, 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 no that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay. And I love Corpo examples because Corpo is really hard to penetrate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So where do I start? Ah, we start with decision-making units. So your customer is not a single person, but there is a bunch of people who are making these decisions together. And it might be somebody from HR or innovation who's initially up for it. Then you have like product managers and marketeers that will have to listen to the training. So they need to be in Chaitis as well. Then you have Magda in accounting who will probably say that it is too expensive and Jim from compliance that would say that, uh, it would be much safer for us to work with PwC. Uh, so these are like kind of a decision makers in a nutshell that we are dealing with and we have to focus on our champ, right? We have to focus on a person that actually came to one of your workshops and they say like Stoyan is the man, I gotta get him into our company, right? And as you are doing a lot of regional work, you have two levers here. This will be interesting now. First, you can just like go to a larger corporation through a smaller local branch because it's much easier to sell those people, especially like in your own country, as you have already probably been doing because that's kind of a no-brainer. And then just like ask them for referrals and if we could do like a cross-country training together or if they give you testimonial and work your way out. So let's say that Nestle... Bulgaria is your ECP to Nestle Switzerland. And the other beauty of this is that the majority of those companies also have startups and accelerator programs. So as a teacher, as somebody who's giving like lectures and workshop and has a bunch of traction throughout the Europe, I would literally be outreaching those people either cold with my samples of the workshops that I'm doing in 2024 or warm that I would ask for introduction and last but not least i would go with partnerships as well so it would be like hey maya you have worked with buyer before how is it like to work with buyer do you know somebody from buyer that would be interested in my training so that's the business development part and whereas we it's very unlikely for us that I could just like sell now to freaking Mercedes in Munich, which I would love to do. Uh, but nevertheless, if anybody's listening, if anybody listening is from Germany, somebody's from Mercedes. <laughs> Please, I come for free. Just give me good beer and food. It's not a problem. I just want to have your freaking talk about logo. It. <laughs> no, so go, no, on, no. go on that's great go but on. you know what i mean right so innovation centers are a beautiful entryway towards that and whereas like this person in mercedes munich is not my realistic target at the moment i could be working with a like local partner or i can just like ask somebody who has done here before and there's i just got this idea i know what i'm doing after we finish this stream <laughs> if you know somebody in innovation department because that's usually my decision maker and uh this is how i think about this right just be pragmatic work with what you have and build your way purposefully towards the end goal that you are having i mean the logic is really simple you it's obvious. Oh, but, but I love what you what you just did. And there's some ideas that are popping up in my mind right now, obviously. Uh, but but like it's, uh, on the other on the other hand, as you mentioned, maybe now you're giving me these ideas and advice, and then you finish the call. I need to do that myself. You know? yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, and that's but, the beauty of like thinking in public and being in touch with other hmm. intelligent people, right? Because we can help each other. And again, this is the mindset. And especially in our part of Europe, it's not like if Stoyan makes one euro more than Maya, Maya is going to be jealous and Stoyan <laughs> is going to drive a nicer car. It's just like we can create 100 euros together. That's more fun. Win. 
Yeah, we can actually create 400 together as opposed to doing 100 alone. Most yeah, likely. but don't don't uh, don't make me sell to Mercedes because for those I would freaking come insane as long as they are going to the wall. No, but thanks for speaking out loud. Now I know and I can I can see what I can do to pull some strings here and there because I know you're going to smash it because you're delivering so much value. I want to elaborate on what you said. So this was really good. So kind of all right. Just to recap it, um, Stoyle wants to work with. Uh, Let's say I had never worked before, right? This I'm just getting into the market, right? So Storm wants to work with uh, these uh, cool international companies in Germany and Switzerland and Austria. Well, he's right now based in Bulgaria. He can go and get some good recommendations because he's been abroad for 10 years, a lot more hot to, to and easier to get into the early customer profile of the Nestle and Coca-Cola and whatever companies in Bulgaria because it's an easier way in. Right. So get from there. And then, and that, that's why I love the framework, right? It's like, maybe I need to polish the product a little bit, right? Because in my mind, I need to give them a time management workshop for their salespeople. But after 10 conversations, I figure out that's not what they need in this specific place, right? So I need to kind of adapt it, polish it, offer a bonus session, make sure that the, uh, whatever, they get certificates so the person in, compliance is happy or so i don't know right like so so what what is actually my product right no, no but um, whereas this is true that like they will be more demanding in terms of the value that mm. um they will be getting you are making a little bit of a slippery mistake here also okay. coming from our region we like to outwork ourselves right and especially due to our lovely imposter syndrome as we go to sell like german companies and whatnot look the reality is that you're never gonna have slides as pretty as deloitte the reality is also that you are not going to have like entourage of five different coaches that will help to align a, a, a stickies or something like that. Playing for your strengths is a little bit different. So you are charismatic. You have worked in movie industry before. You have these amazing clips and I've seen you speaking. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sugar bluffing you with compliments. You deserve them. So uh, just like play on your freaking strengths and be different because they have seen a bunch of polish those consultants from big four companies they know this shit and it's probably boring to them by now so you have to be different and in order to understand what will they value you have to just like meet them and here we have a beautiful lever of just like going taking your car driving to munich going to a couple of like meetups or conferences you will sell there because you're a freaking sales machine and you just like do the networking don't let ever stoyan in the room if you don't want to be sold to <laughs> no i'm just kidding just kidding he's a great friend um but we do business together as well uh so the thing is that it's just like you know, you have to figure it out and the value that you kind of maybe stereotypically think that is expected for you to deliver, maybe like they will appreciate your accent and it will be like supremely interesting for them. Maybe they will appreciate your mindset and people on the Western markets love to talk about mindset. It's very surprising to me because I was raised to hide it a little bit, but it's hot stuff right now, right? Maybe like we can create some synergies in just like how to think differently from our frameworks, like creativity coaching is very big right now. It's literally how to think more out of the box. And it's more of a magic than science, really. Of course, you need a flash framework, but it can be a simple model on a slide. And I'm not trying to be like too simplistic about the things, but don't project that just like delivering more value in a traditional way that you think should be value be delivered is the right way to go. You got to do research and you have to play on your strengths. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point. Tell me about the positioning. You kind of touched upon it a little bit, but like, what did you, what did you find is like, uh, and, and I do think that the listeners, the audience now, based on an example, they can make up their own story for their own business. So, so on of the course. positioning side, what, what, what do you find would be a smart move. And maybe before you start there, you have a cookie example. Maybe you can give us the cookie example in the book, which I love, uh, by the way. I think everybody can relate to the cookie cookie example. <laughs> so tell us the cookie example and tell me what would you recommend on the positioning side. 
Fantastic. So full disclaimer, I don't take credit for the framework in the book. It was done with um, book collaborator Andrei Persholia. Um, he's been helping me and we've been collaborating on positioning for three years now. But since we are working together so much, I feel comfortable about walking you through the framework as well. And at least like for the first scratch, um, it will be very evident. So, okay. The cookie example uh, is as such. A box of cookies, like there are 12 cookies in the box, maybe costs... Two euros. That's why, like, for price of cookie, you will pay a couple of 10 cents in order to have a cookie, right? But here is where the cookie story gets very interesting. If you position it as a fitness cookie and put a little bit of a protein powder in it and just, like, start offering in the gyms, people will pay you more than two euros for a cookie. If you construct a vegan cookie and you make sure that it has absolutely no touch with animals and that everything is super healthy and natural, you can sell it for three euros in coffee shops, right? You can be, like, creating so much more value. And there are other cookie examples, but you know what I mean? I don't want to go into carbs now because I try to be low carb most of the time. But just like you can sell practically a very, very, very similar item for different price through different channels to different audience. And here is where it gets more interesting. Completing solely on the price or more value added is not sustainable because it's a race, a race to the bottom and there can only be one cheaper supplier. So we need to compete on differentiation and creating value, at least in this part of the Europe. And in order to do that, we have to start from the target audience. So this persona mask that I don't like using the word persona because I've seen a whole of horrors of these personas on office buildings that they are completely useless because they are not well researched. But start from just like what a customer perceives as an offer, as added value, and just like think in the next step, who else is providing this value added? So what are the current alternatives that the customer is using? And what are the key aspects of the value that a customer would be, be benefiting from? And you will be worse and you will be better at some. And you have to do a very honest scrolling. So for example, Stoyan is much better than I am in, I don't know, like how to do perform framework but I've probably done more pricing research than Stoyan, right? So we are not direct competitors per se, but if somebody wants to have edutainment on their corporate agenda, we could be like perceived as similar offers. We can both pull out a keynote. So that's it. You have to know what is the competition in the mind of your customers because there are always comparisons are being made. And then you have to find a thing that you are uniquely good at. It creates like a lot of interesting thinking process. Sometimes you have to pitch different offers. Sometimes you have to test messaging like on LinkedIn. What would people actually like to hear from you? Sometimes you won't like it and you will decide, mm -mm, I don't want to be known for time management. This is not my spiel. I don't want to do this. Um, so yeah, there will be like discoveries and it's ongoing work. These are the beauty of all my frameworks that it is ongoing work that wants you, that there are moving targets practically, right? Even if you find your positioning for now. So Stoyan Yanko is the best, let's say, productivity coach that has this stamina of our region and also plays very nicely with other people. In a couple of years, maybe this will no longer be relevant. So you have to rethink it. It's a moving target. So the price and product market fit are moving targets, but I don't want to go into this so much. No, but I, I love that we actually get the example of, of me like in, in, in this specific example, because yes, it's a personality. In my case, you know, I'm, I'm the offering, right? In many ways, yeah. but, but but you can you can actually think the same way about your SaaS product. Totally, totally. Because there's so many and... there's so many comp competitors usually, right? Like you, you you build this app, but it's like yeah, but there's ten others. Right. So, so, and maybe you have the best customer them? support, and maybe your developers can literally like talk to people and do decent onboarding. Right. There can be always something, but your customer needs to value this, be willing to pay for this. And sometimes you won't like the answer. What happened to me was when I was doing this research, so tell me which is your superpower, people start sharing energy. 
like energy. Every time that I speak with somebody, it's freaking energy. And it was just like so disturbing for me because I'm not a very spiritual person. And it's like, I'm not offering like crystals or some sort of symbols. I do real work. Like I use spreadsheets. Um, so it was very, very, very annoying discovery for me. But I was, I was diving deeper into what the hell do they mean with energy? One thing came through. It was passion. It was just like my love for what am I doing and just like my ability to motivate people to go down this line and actually do what's mission critical in order for them to succeed. I can be very annoying as well. Uh, one of my customers called me that I'm a Satan and it's my freaking superpower. This is, is our type of compliments that I sometimes I receive. For a second. I just yeah. want to stop you for a second here. So, I've known you now for maybe three years. I don't know. Three I'm annoying. Okay, hold on. I'm speaking. <laughs> so, so I would say definitely it's the passion piece. Like you have a lot of energy, actually positive energy, getting people to do stuff. You're very no BS. So if I say something and you don't like it, you say, Stoyan, this is bullshit. Uh, let's focus on, like you'll be always like immediately, let's go to the point. You're extremely good in simplifying difficult and complicated information into highlighting what are the most important pieces of it and you know making it simple for people to read it like if people start to see some of our emails right? you know like there's colors there's bullet points there's like <laughs> you're like this these guys are crazy right but but this is part of what you're extremely good at like leading people into practical practical stuff practical framework step by step this is what you do it might you might take it for granted yeah. Not many people can do that. Not many people can do that. Wow. Like this is some, just just a few of the things I can I can appreciate go on it. and on. I can go on and on. No, but I really appreciate it because this is like literally the skill that I had to develop. And the motivation behind it comes because I love working with people. I love helping people. I do it with so much love. And for example, when I say bullshit or using a, like a little bit of a stupid language, it's because I want you to make this point and I want it to stick. And this is how I'm grabbing your attention. Otherwise, like for me, the easiest thing would be Austria and you work so hard. Don't worry about your book too much. I was like, no. You invested like a year and more into writing this book, commit to launch. Like you will feel so much better. You deserve to just like see the conclusion happen. And it's not because I wouldn't like you. It's because I like you so much that I tell you the truth. Mm. You want me to win? I, I want you win. to launch. I want you to win. <laughs> hey, for sure. For sure. Hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, you know, when, when you talk about this, uh, I just want to get back. There was an example. Uh, again, it's a service business, but I used to be a video producer. I was oh, running yeah. a video production agency. That's a really tough one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I was running a video production agency. In, but but just, just to give you an example of how some sometimes our assumptions are not true, but you got to test them. Like uh, I had a, a co-founder. Uh, two producers a danish guy and me right like doing uh, videos making videos for businesses right that was the idea now what we thought is our competitive advantage is that we can do produce these hollywood looking super amazing beautiful videos uh like really crafted really kind of you know you see the videos like this is this is freaking high level right so we, we started reaching out to um marketing managers executives uh, asking them for lunch hey can can i buy you lunch or can i buy you coffee we just need some feedback because we have no idea if we're doing the right thing which is by the way a really good strategy you get a lot of 50 percent said yes we get them and you coffee, eat well we talk. yeah so, so so we go we have coffee and we have our notebooks we're asking a lot of questions right very respectfully 15 20 minutes hey we're very grateful you know if you don't have time we that doesn't matter, okay? But but I remember this conversation. We had this conversation with a marketing manager from a large Danish organization. And, and she's like, guys, thank you for sharing more about what you do because when I received your email, my initial thought was, this looks really good, but it's probably expensive. I can't afford oh, wow. this. I was, about, I was about to call you off, but you were very nice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to meet the guys. And now you say that you're very... You provide really good quality on affordable price. This is what you have to tell your customers. We didn't want to wow. tell that we're budget friendly because we didn't want to sound cheap. And yeah. in her case, she was like, 
if you told me that, I'll be like, I want to meet these guys. They're not only really good, but actually they're budget friendly. So, so for me, it was like, ooh, you know, it's it's interesting. You never thought about it because we we were much cheaper than the big agency that can provide the same service or even worse, right? Cool. Yeah, at the beginning, especially in creatives, because this is so difficult, um, pricing, competition based on pricing, it's nearly inevitable. If you don't have like a, a reward or like have done some work for your cousin to get the first logo on this website is what it is. You have to work uh, your way out. But just like coming from this region, I think that you and I, could share this point. You're sometimes like 10 times cheaper than your competitor who is, let's say, really competitive. Uh, competitive. So we are just like underpricing ourselves so badly. And we have like a really weird relationship with money. So you would be embarrassed to talk, to even tell your mom how much you are making, right? Because maybe she will then feel that her work is not valued or something like that. Like we are really awkward when it comes to money. So in order to get out of this mind scope, um, I love to get offers from other companies. Not that I would be like directly competent in them, but look, if I have a friend and I know that he was like um, searching for an offer for, let's say, a workshop or a video production or whatnot, I would just like not send me all the offers, obviously, but what was the price range? Like, how, how are you pitched and how did you make decisions? And oftentimes they won't go for a cheaper supplier because they want to have high quality work done. And if you can justify the quality and the valid attitude, then later on on your point, um, whereas there is a point that you can outprice yourself from the market, just like given the reasonable expectations and costs of alternatives, whereas is a point and now everybody is like a freaking rock star. Uh, just like thinking that if you are cheaper, that people are going to buy more of this, it's not this microeconomics 101. So it's not a supply and demand curve. People buy from all sorts of different reasons, right? You could be providing emotional value for them. Maybe they will feel more secure that you are better because you have been doing this stuff and that your quality is probably better. So um, just like if somebody younger is listening um, and from this story that you just don't take a nose, ah, cheaper, I should be better and cheaper. No, no, you can be more expensive if you can justify it because price is just like a unit of capturing added value. And when you feel that you can create this added value, and I know it's much more difficult if you're selling abroad because from our region, at least, everybody thinks that we're going to be cheaper, right? And it is really annoying as like my friends from the Netherlands and whatnot are telling me, hey, would you recommend a cheap designer? No. But I can recommend a very good designer that will do the job for you and will be wonderful to communicate. And I don't know, like people who are searching for the cheapest uh, supplier should probably have a better fighting chance on Fiverr than losing their time and efforts of just like shopping around to uh, ex-Soviet countries in order to find cheap suppliers. That's a really good point. By the way, we have somebody... Contributing with a comment, Domen is saying, double it, double it, then add it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, when it comes to pricing, um, yeah, this is just like one thing that we like to say. So we are usually underpricing, right? Uh, especially here and in GTM. Um, so and by the way, by I, the way, I totally, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. This is such valid points. I didn't mean the example to be the point of example to be become cheaper. The, the point yeah. of the example was that... You don't know. Do, do the research. Know. Yeah, mm -hmm. do the research and what actually excites people. Uh, and in that specific case, we were a little bit uh, more budget friendly than the big agencies. So that's actually mm -hmm. the advantage. Uh, totally. So, yeah. But Maya, since the time is flying. Uh, oh my God. To... <laughs> I'm having fun right? here. The all the pricing yeah, talks. Whatever we're trying to talk about, I come back to pricing, you see? <laughs> That really turns you on, huh? The pricing stuff. It's Monday. Okay, let's. You for it's Monday. Let's go pricing. Um, so, so okay. Look, we're at the end of this. It's your second time being on the podcast, and of course, we're gonna have you back at some point. But you have a book to launch and and copies to sell. So, so let's uh, let's uh, wrap it up somewhere here. Maya, I want you to tell me. Let me put the let me put again for one final time the link 
here so everybody can see gtmstrategies.com you guys can go get a sample chapter or pre-order order the book i don't know depending on when we launch the the podcast but gtmstrategies.com check it out i've been working with maya for three four years now she's a she's a freaking rock star i've seen the book the draft of the book and it's so freaking filled with practical insights that will help you no matter what kind of interest you're in but maya just to give you the word who will benefit from this book who should get a copy and how it will help them to be better business people and better human beings i love this pitch because it was tried before you buy it right <laughs> of course like you can just like see the free chapter if it is okay for you then you're gonna love the book if you are like going on here then like sorry sorry for wasting your time there are people that actually benefited from this and based on my research these are technical founders product managers people who work in growth and marketing and know that business is not all about channels but there are other components to it and just like everybody who is feels overwhelmed about their launch, right? Because I try to narrow it down so systematically and in progression that I think by now the framework is done in a way that helps people to make decisions with more confidence. And that was the end result that I was looking for. The book was tested with 200 and more readers. So believe me, if there is something that they didn't like, I spent another couple of days on it. So hope that it will be very beneficial for you. Let me know what do you think, uh, even from the sample chapter. I'm always trying to grow, improve and do stuff better because we are, guess what, going to market. And we learned that from you guys. Definitely get a copy. And on top of that, make sure to follow Maya Voye on LinkedIn because she is posting a lot of good content. She uh, is posting a lot. <laughs> so make sure to go check it Trying out. Our best. Uh, thanks so practical much. Practical and useful content, guys. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening, for being with us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. And not to miss out on another episode, sign up, subscribe on your favorite platform like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Productivity Mastery. That's the place to be. Thank you so much for being with us and see you once again next week for the next episode of Productivity Mastery. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to my monthly newsletter by visiting stoyaniankov.com and also learn about the Perform methodology and the Perform book, as well as our various personal and team coaching offers. Stay tuned and keep performing.